If one of the hardest things to figure out these days is what to watch next, first of all, congrats. Second of all, you should check out HBO Max. Discover something new to watch on HBO Max like Lovecraft Country, the new HBO series from Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and J.J. Abrams that's got everyone buzzing. Plus, HBO Max is the only place you'll find new binge-worthy Max originals like Selena Gomez's new cooking show. You heard that right. Selena Gomez's Learning to Cook, from some of the world's best chefs, no less. Find your next favorite all in one place on HBO Max. Start streaming today. Download the app or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as the Secretary of Offense, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today, we're going to play a live conversation I had recently with Ash Carter, the former Secretary of Defense under President Barack Obama. We spoke about the regulation of tech, the relationship between Silicon Valley and the defense industry, and the implications of emerging technologies like AI. The last time I interviewed Ash Carter, he was Secretary of Defense. This interview was recorded at Harvard University's John F. Kennedy School of Government, where Ash works. So let's go there now to hear my conversation with former Secretary of Defense Ash Carter. I dared Ash to hug the flag, but don't tell no one me. gets that reference. Don't right? tell me, Kara. Uh, listen, everyone, welcome. Thank you for being here tonight. I'm very, very pleased uh, to have tonight as our guest and my guest here in the forum, Kara uh, Swisher, the editor-at-large of Recode, the host of the Recode, Decode, and Pivot podcasts, which are my, are my morning gym I'm not making this up. I, I listen to Kara every day. And I don't know how you manage to do as much, be as prolific as you are. And a contributing opinion writer to the New York Times. But in the long and the short of it is in a long career, she has become the most sophisticated and trenchant tech journalist on the scene today. And so in view of the importance of those issues to the Kennedy School and everything that we're doing here and everything that I personally am very committed to, you can't ask for a better observer and commentator than Kara Swisher. Now, this is going to be an odd forum because by rights, as her host here in the Kennedy School, I should be questioning her. On the other hand, she has a podcast. Uh, which is recording her, and it is normal for her to, therefore, be interviewing her guest. And so um, we decided that we were going to just have a conversation, and that's why it's billed as a conversation. Uh, I am going to suggest to you, Kara, as I did earlier, yeah. uh, some topics, though. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's turn so we can see each other here. I will stick to the digital area, Okay. Uh, but if you want to stray elsewhere, we are also challenged as societies in the biotech area. We were talking sure. some at breakfast about that this morning and also in the huge issue of jobs and training and how to have a cohesive society in a world in which too many people feel that there's a fast lane of technology and a slow lane. Yep, there I talk. About, I write and talk about these things. Uh, too. Right. So okay. So all of those things are fair. Right. I thought if I'd you s- want to talk about Game of Thrones or um, 
Avengers Endgame. I'm willing to I will go wherever. You, 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 you may find me a little dry on things to say about those topics. I, but if you have something juicy, have at it. I can put out it's the premise. It's not my style. I'll put out the premise that the Night King and Thanos are misunderstood. But we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, Just went, phew. Back to where... Back, back to where we were. Right. Okay, all right. Uh, on digital. All right. So let, let's start with you, Kara, yeah. if, you, if you would. Um, social media curation. You've yes. written a lot about that and the repeated failures of social media to reflect good values, to act in a way or to be governed in a way that you can... Um, you, you feel comfortable letting your children participate mm-hmm. in them. Uh, if you go back to the Zuckerberg hearings, which you covered and have yes. written quite a bit about, which were a huge bust, sadly, mm-hmm. um, because he had nothing to say and they had nothing to ask. Right. And if you could re-roll that tape and try to do better on both sides, let's play that game a little bit if we, sure. if, 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 if we could. What they were all saying there is that the answer is some mixture of regulation by government and self-regulation by companies. Sure. So can we try to design that mix? Is it 80, yeah. 20, 20, I mean, 80? And how, what would you say look, each of those pieces let's just say, when the internet started, there was a lot of promise around tolerance, openness, the ability for people to communicate across great distances, the ability for lots of different people to get access to information they couldn't. All premises that were great. And that's what they sold you on, the idea of that. What happened was a coalescing of power around just several companies, just a few companies, an obscene amount of wealth creation for a very small amount of people who had enormous, who have enormous sway over these platforms and are, that, are, that they don't govern, really, even though they do make the money off of them, and that they have no intention of governing and could possibly be ungovernable because of the way they built them, which makes a lot of money. And so we have a really bad situation that the public square, which is, you know, the the, the, the public square, has now owned by private billionaires. And they have no, I'm going to say ability or compunction to fix the situation. They've just let loose these cities, and I've used this comparison a million times, these, these absolutely unregulated cities to be built and are not understanding the consequences. And the consequences pop up again and again and again on very simple things such as, you know, just the way we talk to each other on Twitter or, or the way that it's being used for propaganda by various political figures or, um, uh, or, or, or whether it's being used in, say, New Zealand, in a very tragic situation where the shooter was using it and using it as part of the entire scheme of murder, that it was a critical part of the murder scheme to be radicalized online, then use it to say what he was going to do and then broadcast it. It's just a perfect, horrible storm. And so the thing that I was troubled by by those hearings was that there's ample evidence that these, in many, many ways, not just one, but dozens of ways that these companies have hurt society rather significantly, and they seem to have no intention of doing anything about it. They just want to move on. Um, and so what I'd like to have is, is citizens, the, the public and, and the politicians have some measure of discussion with them about how they should be regulated and what, what the regulation should be that's smart, not regulation just for regulation. Okay, sake. so let's go down that path. That sounds right. a little bit to me like 
80-20 rather than 20-80. No, they've tried self-regulation. They've tried no regulation. They seem to like no regulation. Right. And they have we, had we done have a terrible... Their self-regulation is, is zero. Okay, like, the, so They have zero. some. They have some rules they change every now and then to suit themselves. But there's, in general, they have rules, and they're there, and they point to them, but they make no sense to anyone who, has, who can read. So let's pull a little bit on those threads. I can, I can think of a few. One would be the Communications Decency Act 230. Right. For those who don't know, CDA 230 is the thing that allows them to be... Uh, broad immunity. Uh, yep. Grants them they, broad they, immunity they for what nobody happens. Nobody can... Yeah, unlike the New York Times or something. It's like not When you publish in the New York Times, you lay yourself open to the rules that govern um, uh, speech in the press. In this as, country. As, yes, and it's in different this in country. Britain, yeah, and it's different true, everywhere else. True, but, but there are in rules general, anyway. In general, there's rules. Not so under CDA 230. Now, right. another thing is is various forms of regulation based on antitrust. Sure. Many people that's think that's That's not regulation. That's, about, a, that's legal action. Uh, well, okay, but... Well, I don't know. Antitrust has been used lots of different ways sure. in the course of our history. Sometimes it has been to break up companies. I personally don't recommend that in this case. Right. But more often, as in the case of AT&T and, right. and uh, the uh, Western Union Telegraph system and so IBM. forth, they were not broken up. They were recognized to be natural monopolies. And maybe that's what Facebook is, a natural mm-hmm. monopoly. But they were only allowed to exist provided they followed public rules. Mm-hmm. So that's an avenue. And another avenue is you talked about the money, Kara. Another avenue is the money. If you follow the money and you say, why is this free? Mm -hmm. What is the business of of social media? And there's someone, and I forget who she is, but she's also a very good writer, who has observed that in social media, the user is not the customer, the user is the product. Product, that's something that they hate when you say Facebook. They're, I, I've they're heard not them the hate product. That. Let me I've just say, I, I actually would it. correct it. You're not the product, you're the fuel. You're the fuel that creates their ability to sell things. And so you're not the product, the product is advertising and the ability to target you. You are the fuel to get them. So, so the, third, the third string would be pulling on the business model yes. and yes. having alternative business models to yes. that. So what do you think? Where should we go if you were well, talking to a presidential you know, candidate? Or if I was whatever. a presidential candidate, yeah, a lot of Yeah, you could be them. one, no, too. Thanks. There, I know anyone can be a presidential candidate, yes, apparently. Yes, I've noticed. Um, uh, it's every week there's a whole new one, um, the new flavor of the week. Um, look, there are current laws in place that would cover a lot of this, some of it in terms of privacy and things like that. Our, we do not have a national privacy law. We have, we have one that's about to come online in California in 2020 that's going to be relatively strong. Um, there's 10 more in states across the country, across this country that are happening. There's GDPR in Britain, which is the de facto, in, in Europe, I'm sorry, in the European Union, which is the de facto rules right now because everybody has to follow them, so they might as well follow them here. For privacy. For privacy, all no, all kinds of stuff. They have all kinds of stuff that, that are in GDPR, and then there's uh, there's stuff that's being worked on in New Zealand and Australia around different things, and so different things like fines. And of course, the European Union is also imposing fines on companies like Google and Apple and others. Apple for non-taxpaying, Google for monopoly. There's other billion-dollar fines, which is like. They have it in their drawer. These people don't, it doesn't, they don't, these fines don't matter to them in, in the number that they're being put in. And then there's threats of fines in this country, like the FTC, over an agreement that Facebook had many years ago not to do precisely what it's doing, um, and them denying that they're doing what they said they wouldn't do, but they're doing. And so uh, there, there's a possibility of a fine coming up from Mark Zuckerberg in that regard. So there are existing laws and existing 
things like the FTC here in this country. And there's also pri there's a number of privacy laws. There's all kinds of disclosure laws that aren't very, that they don't that aren't they don't really have teeth to them that really matter to these companies. Then there's self-regulation, which they could do themselves, which is to put out a a series of rules that they would follow and they would work uh, to, to with each other, which they never do, um, to on lots of issues. And but what happens is they end up doing different announcements. Apple will do a different announcement than Facebook, than Microsoft, than others. And so that doesn't seem to work properly. And then it's just rules whatever Mark Zuckerberg wants to do. And so that's a real problematic thing because here is someone, unlike most people in this country, who cannot be fired, who runs the biggest communications platform in the history of the human race, absolutely cannot be fired by anybody except himself. He can fire himself. Um, and actually, when we did a podcast, I said, uh, who should be fired for all these problems at Facebook? And he goes, well, since I made it, I guess me, I mean, I, I, I would be the one, you know, I guess I'm responsible. And then I said, uh-huh. And he said, you want me to fire myself? I said, sounds good to me. Um, you know, it's just, he can't be fired except by himself. Yeah. So that's a problem. That, that's a, it's a Well, problem. okay, but we're getting back to where we right. were, so which there, is, there is they're, they're not going to regulate so themselves, you what say. What should happen is and there should be a national privacy bill, for one. There should be one national privacy bill that deals with issues around privacy that, that, that doesn't overwhelm the California law, that is stronger than the California law, and that, that, that covers a lot of issues. There should be bills about um, disclosure of when you're hacked, that kind of stuff, where they have to tell you right away. There could be bills around non-discrimination online. There could be bills about rules about hate speech and, and what's allowed and what's not allowed. Um, that's something government doesn't love to wade into and, and because it, it that's a problem. Those are problems under the First Amendment. But there's this, there are things about harm and what creates, they do it already with terrorism, they do it with, recently the companies have been focused on child uh, uh, pedophiles and stuff like that, but there could be stronger okay. speech. Well, laws. one is to say what you shall can and cannot do. Another one is to say, I'm not going to tell you what you can and cannot do, but you're going to have to defend in court right, what exactly. you did and did not do. Right. That's yep. a different kind of sure. thing. And I, for each of those things you named, perhaps, is there a is well, some, I, and then there's antitrust. Is the question of are these companies too big, and should they be broken apart in some way, or not allowed to be in certain businesses? Should Google be allowed to be in the search business and the advertising business? And also, by the way, they're in Yelp's business, and by the way, they're also in this business. It's very Microsoftian. What's going on over at Google? Well, you, 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 you uh, old Microsoft, new Microsoft is good. New Microsoft is. Uh, which is shocking to say. Yeah, it's sort of like Voldemort sure is nice. You, you need to tell, say to the audience a little bit about old Microsoft. She took on back in the bad old days of the original yeah. Gates uh, deposition and so forth. That was covered par excellence by Kara Swisher. That's no, what she, not me, but Rinsley, but I was pretty young then. But it was, it was you know, it, there was, that was a remedy, and it worked really well. We have a really good corporate citizen now, which, which doesn't overstep its bounds. Like, that worked really well. And by the way, because Microsoft was pushed down, others could come up. Okay, so there's plenty of possibilities out yeah. there, of which breakup is, is only one. I was about to say that you... Uh, work for PBS, which is another idea, uh, which is, okay, well, okay. either way, right. I, I, channelizing is mm -hmm. another possibility for Facebook, where you have subscription channels, where yep. you pay, rather than advertising paying, yeah. you pay. You could imagine one like PBS, where the government pays, or at least sure. subsidize, or it is philanthropically 
uh, backed. So this idea that you get it for free and they take all of your data without any rights, property rights, mm -hmm. and give it to anybody they want to is a particular model of funding that doesn't have to be brought to an end. No. But it could be diversified. What do you what do you think of that well, idea? Well, it's fine. It's just nothing's come up. You know, it's a good business. It's a really Facebook has a really good business that works really well that targets beautifully. And so uh, I don't know why they would get out of the you know I don't know why they get out of the business because it's, there's no incentive to make it uh, less profitable for them. Uh, when I'm uh, or their shareholders. The, the direction I'm headed is an application of antitrust that doesn't require a breakup, but a channelization or a diversification within one channel, recognizing that as a as a natural monopoly. Uh, I'm just trying to I'm put not on sure. the table. I don't know. Here I, the you could be very are. creative. See, our antitrust laws are so antiquated compared to what's happening today. They they envision trains and uh, telephones and stuff like that. This is something much different. And so one of the issues around antitrust, and I'm not a lawyer, is the idea that it causes public harm, right? There's some level of public harm. Everybody loves Amazon. Who doesn't love Amazon? It delivers your house in 14 minutes, like a bag of gummy bears, yay. You know what I mean? So I think the question is, and you like Facebook because you get free things. You like Google, you get free maps. And so it doesn't cause public harm, but it does cause com possible competitive harm and then societal harm. And that's really hard to figure out. Can I, I sure. that is, a latter-day interpretation of the Sherman Antitrust Act. Mm -hmm. I just want to say it's not necessarily wrong, but it is a, it is something that started at the Economics Department in Chicago, then in our business school, and it was the idea that the antitrust in the United States didn't apply unless there was customer harm. Mm -hmm. That is not something that Senator Sherman would have recognized. I guess or the so. good. Well, I'm, it's a, yeah. I'm, I'm making a serious point. Right. It is a reductio ad calculandum. You know, you can, mm -hmm. you can decide whether there's customer harm or not. Mm -hmm. But that is not the... So I, I wouldn't be deterred from antitrust, and I'm not trying right. to make the case for antitrust, but it does not... The, the fact that there is no consumer harm does is not, not necessarily is, is not necessarily and it's being supported by a lot of people from from Elizabeth Warren to Donald Trump to Ted Cruz I but mean she's the groups, doing breakup I don't know she's doing but, breakup and antitrust a lot of people are talking about that okay. I mean what do you think what do, how do you, what do you well, think? well I do I am for a mixture of regulation self-regulation I do not despair of some measure of self-regulation uh, I think that there's a common sense amount there and all of us who run in, or, ha or have run institutions, it, you have a common sense rule. You draw a gray stripe down the middle of the chart and you say, everything on that side is no and everything on that side is yes and everything in the middle I'm prepared to discuss and that's it. And we all live with those kind of rules in our institutions and it's babyish to suggest that one can't craft them for almost any field. You can at least make a try. Now, so I, I think something can be made out of the 20%. Maybe you mm -hmm. and I don't see exactly the same way, um, but there are leaders out there and there are businesses out there which I think are trying to find the way and a little bit of encouragement uh, will do it. With respect to regulation, I think there's so many different opportunities. Um, antitrust is just one. I remember, Kara, when I was a kid, that when a man and a woman went to bed at night okay. on TV. Okay, I can't wait to see where this is going. On TV, they climbed into 
twin beds separated right. by a night table with a right. lamp on it. Mm-hmm. Now that we look back on that now, it's kind of idiotic, but that, but, but at the time, that was regarded as appropriate to protect children. Mm-hmm. That's okay with me. Now, you know, that may be on your, you know, the other side of the line from where you would draw the line, mm-hmm. but that kind of thing's okay with me. I don't want children afflicted with all of this, and mm-hmm. I think those of us who are adults have some responsibility. Uh, just like you have a responsibility, and I did in the Defense Department, you asked about firing people. Mm-hmm. I fired people who misbehaved, mm-hmm. and my subordinates fired people for far less mm-hmm. because you couldn't have that kind of thing mm-hmm. in that kind of institution. And was it a little fuzzy every once in a while? Well, sure, but some rules are better than no rules, almost invariably. Well, so there I are, think there there's a lot. Any, there are rules around children on these sites. They're, they do have their own self-imposed rules, some of which are great. But I think the question is how much, I think what they want to do, and maybe you could comment on this, is they say if you start to regulate them too much, we'll ruin innovation for them and it will ruin the golden goose of innovation in this country, which is, you know, these are, these are American companies who have led the way in each and every one of these areas so far. It doesn't mean that's going to happen in the future, but their argument is that innovation will be harmed by any kind of meddling by by regulators who don't know what That's they're doing. That's not my experience in, in almost 40 years of managing, managing technology companies. Okay. My experience is that challenges are what fuels progress. Mm-hmm. This is a challenge. If you turn it around, and if you're a can-do person, and instead of talking about all the complications and how you tried for a few minutes and couldn't take it any further because you got stumped by something, and instead you take it, you have the same attitude towards it that I would have towards solving a physics problem or something in defense, which is I'm going to keep working and keep thinking and keep trying until I get it through. So why is this so hard? Why is it that the most inventive people can't take on a challenge which is right in front of their face and my face and, and win. I'm more optimistic about technology than that. I think we can invent our way. And this, that doesn't slow technology down. It speeds it up. And I've seen that again and again in my career, that when you tell somebody, do something, go to the moon, and they say it's too hard, and that's what they told President Kennedy. We're celebrating the anniversary of that. His scientific advisors, I, I happen to know because I knew him when I was younger at MIT, said that they uniformly told him not to make the speech because they didn't know how to do it. And he said, well, no, I'm going to give the speech anyway. And darned if they weren't galvanized, and they, and they did it. So I, I, that is not my experience. I've heard people in the tech sector say to me, you're going to stifle innovation. Right. And, I, and I say, I don't believe it. I've also lived a life of engineers telling me that they couldn't do something they didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that all the time, program after program, not all of them. Most engineers are can-do people. So here's a challenge, get out there and can-do Well, that's, that's great. But let me just say, this is a group of people who, have, who are, are coddled that grow up in a very in a very deep bubble. Like, everyone talks about deep state. Go to deep bubble Silicon Valley. It's a place you can't believe the way they live. And they live in a, in a, in a, in a way that they don't think that they, that, that they think they're victims. Like, I get a lot of victim-y stuff right now from Facebook and Twitter people. Like, you're so mean to us and that kind of stuff. And it's astonishing 
that billionaires will tell you they're victims. That's always my favorite. Like, I'm like, wow, really? You could have me killed and dismembered in two seconds, like, or whatever you want to do. Um, they, they, the fact that they don't understand their power, and then a lot of the communications that they are putting out, just like Mark Zuckerberg's uh, op-ed recently, where he begs for regulation. And to me, everyone's like, oh, look, he's saying he wants to be regulated. Guess what? He doesn't have an answer, is what he doesn't have. And so he's saying, I can't deal with these difficult problems my company has created, you all figure it out. And I think that's an abrogation of his responsibility. I think these companies have a responsibility to not just help us understand what the problem is, and believe me, I don't want them in charge of it, because who knows what will happen with that kind of legislation. But, but one of the things they do is they create a situation, and then when it becomes very thorny, such as with free speech or, or, or the hate speech or who determines what, they just don't want to get involved when they create the platforms that allow this problem to exist. And I think that's one of the issues that, that I find really vexing with dealing with Okay, them. so here, so let's go with that. Let's okay. take your characterization of that particular executive at that particular business. Nevertheless, uh, I, I, I would say that that's not everybody. You talked about Microsoft. Right. That's a different kind of leadership. There are places that it's easier to start. I also think that in it, it, today we need to try to, wherever we can, build bridges. Mm -hmm. And however restricted someone else's perspective may seem to be. And I had difficulties with people who, for example, thought Snowden was a hero, mm -hmm. which I... I absolutely did not, and we don't need to get into All that, right. but I didn't just dismiss them. I tried to reach out a little bit, see if I could get somewhere. We can't afford to fail on this. And this guy, if you're talking about Zuckerberg, is the king of this mountain. Mm -hmm. uh, should it be that way? Well, I don't know. Is he an ideal individual? I know him. I don't know him as well as you do. Um, but we got to get on with it. Well, I understand uh, that, but I just here. think there's no leverage points for this. And now Microsoft, great, but Microsoft doesn't have a social network and doesn't play in this game. The only things that matter at this moment, on these topics at least, are Facebook and Google. That's it. That's the entire, and what happens, Twitter, uh, Twitter but, you know, whatever with Twitter. Um, it, 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 it's not that, it, Twitter, yes, um, but it, it's it's a bit of an echo chamber of itself, you know. I mean, I think not. It doesn't have as much impact. It's just it's just because Donald Trump is screaming loudly on it that we pay more. Why I think to. Microsoft is relevant is because it it is a techno technological company with mm -hmm. a different ethos. That's where it. Matters. Yes, absolutely. It's not a but I'm saying it doesn't have company. a player in this no, game. Not. That's the problem. And so. What happens with a lot of these tech companies, I can tell you people at Apple and Microsoft are just holding their heads in their hands because they, this is not their, you know, they would prefer more privacy. It, they would prefer more. It does a and then they, But they don't want field. legislation. Like, they don't want, you know, it's a really difficult issue. And I think when you get to the really, these, these, are, just, these are just the issues around speech. When you get to the issues around AI and how to regulate that and how to think about the development of that or drone technology, or self-driving cars, or healthcare, when you start to get into these other things that are quite serious, and where there's global repercussions for what we're doing, and climate change, you could just move on to all these things. What's the technological solutions there? They will make this issue, which is already tearing apart our society, even more difficult. We're gonna take a quick break now. We'll be back after this to my conversation with former Secretary of Defense, Ash Carter. Let's take driverless cars or 
autonomous weapons. I was right. asked about that all the time when I was Secretary of Defense. What about autonomous uh, weapons or a health care or sentencing mm-hmm. or parole right. or any other system that where you have machine-aided decision for something of right. grave consequence for human beings. I, there's another area where we got to get some right and left-hand limits here. That we got to get this thing in a frame or we're going to mm-hmm. be living in a world of hurt down the road on that, the way we're living now in a world of hurt on Absolutely. social. So how to get begin to get in that inside that uh, frame? I, I believe there, just to tell you what I, I think, and this is the same thing I said about weapons, I don't think that in matters of gravity, like the application of lethal force, that you can have true autonomy. I don't believe that human beings concede their responsibility because I would certainly feel responsible, and I felt responsible every time we used lethal force. I thought that was necessary. We needed that to protect our people. But... I certainly felt responsible in the very fullest sense as a human being by, and everybody in my chain of command did, and the president did, and every president I've ever worked for has felt that way too. And you don't want them feeling any other any other way. But ha- so, but how do you locate human responsibility in an AI system? Well, it's difficult, I, I'd imagine, I think, in that situation. Okay, but let's 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 work that out because I, there's another one where I think it's it's said that you can't do it, and you can do it. Well, there's, there's certain things. Like, look, with policing data right now, there shouldn't be any AI in policing right now because the data is so dirty. It is so dirty, and we're going to get the same outcome. You know, these people are criminals because these people were criminals, and therefore they are criminals. It just, the data is so impossible to, to put in the system. And, you know, there's, there's a, it's a famous old engineering session, crap in, crap out. Yep. Right. And so what you're having is that these decisions are being made. Um, so there's very specific AI like that for policing. Policing an AI to me sounds like we're making what's already awful just terrible. Well, that's like, one it's part. like policing and war. I mean, uh, AI and lethal warfare. Yes. I, I said, right. and it's still the guidance in extant guidance in the Department of Defense that we shall we will not have that. There will be a human being responsible for the use of lethal force. I think that's right, and that can be engineered in a way that's not the same as a man in the loop, to use that expression. Mm-hmm. And um, so you talked about algorithms, you talked about data, and there's one other thing. Algorithms, yes, the way they're designed, you know they're layered, and it's very hard sometimes to know how did the AI make this inference. Mm -hmm. It's hard to go the other way. It's hard to go down the layers and not just up the layers and figure out how to happen. What is that? It's a problem for AI to figure out how, how AI worked. Works. I believe that can be done in algorithms and it can be designed in algorithms. Data sets. What are data sets that are so useless that you're never going to get anything good out of them? You could massage them till the cows come home and it's still crap, as you're saying, dirty data sets. Well, how do we understand complex data sets? That's a problem for AI. Um, if AI is going to be used to fake people out, how do you devise countermeasures to faking people out with AI? AI. So all these things... Well, no, but some of the things are quite serious, and some of them are very useful. You know, if you're using them for radiology, there's tens of thousands of pictures, and you would really prefer the computer, which can figure out those things pretty well compared to a person. That makes perfect sense and and saves lives and saves lives. And then you have other things that are that are useful around climate, all kinds of data that is is that we can start to see patterns and that it can start to learn and do things. 
that specific AI certainly has a lot of uses if you, as you put them specifically. It, when you get to something like, there's, there's one that I just heard of that you, when you have a job, you, it takes pictures of you while you're doing your job interview and then it compares you to the oh, top yes. performers. Like, what? Like, huh? Like, of course, people used to do that by sight. Like, that guy doesn't look funny. And by the way, I don't want that guy to pick someone because you know you get, you get discrimination, you get lack of diversity when that guy picks that guy. So people don't do it very well either. But it's a really disturbing question of how that should be done. It might be fairer. Who knows? Who's to say? But I think one of the issues is what goes into it. Like, who is the top performer? Who determines the top performer? And so you get a lot of, like, you go down some very ugly rabbit holes on this thing. The second thing is, who's making this AI is another thing. And right now, we have a lack of diversity in the making of the AI. We also have uh, only a few companies at the top of this, and that would pretty much be Google. Like, that, that Google has sort of the... From Chinese companies. The Chinese companies in Google, pretty much. And then, then I guess, OpenAI does, too. Um, but there's, that, that's another issue around AI. And so we have to start to create guardrails around these. And we were t this morning, it was funny, we were talking about norms. They were creating norms around AI. And all kinds of people have come out with um, statements on AI and what its principles of AI, and whether they're transparency or fairness, or there's all kinds of things that you'd want to, to require for. And these are the guardrails you're thinking of. And they're called norms. We're going to have these norms, just like you do around biotech or you would around medicine or anything else, which are, have long been used to this stuff. And we have to start to create them for AI. And so France is doing some. Germany's doing some. Some companies are doing Google's doing companies some. Doing some. Uh, there's all kinds of different uh, AI, AI Now Institute is doing some. All kinds of groups of people are doing it. But I kept, they kept talking about norms. I was sort of laughing because it was all these academics saying, we have these norms, those norms, and these norms. And I'm like, you can't have norms when these people aren't normal. Like, you know what I mean? They aren't used to norms, <laughs> and they aren't used to rules. And so what do you do with a group of people, again, who going back to regulation, who have never been regulated, to start to put guardrails in place? How do you get them to stick to those or think of them as a good thing? That's, that would be my... Well, we're, I, I, if I can try a few answers on that. We're ahead of the wave a little bit in AI compared to social. So I have a little bit more hope of <clears throat> getting things in at the, at the entry stage. Um, and I think it, it is as simple as being, um, as, as knowing how this stuff works, which is its algorithms plus data and scrutiny of both. And you can ask in any application you're gonna buy, well, wait a minute, that sounds too good to be true. Mm -hmm. Things that are too, sound too good to be true usually are too good to be true. And so you start digging down and how the hell can this be? And every once in a while, there's a pony in here to quote a <laughs> book right. title of yours. Um, but a lot of times it's just nonsense. And it is dressing up something that has always been a matter of dirty human judgment. Mm -hmm or the accumulated wisdom of judges or something like that, which is far from fallible. But uh, dressing that up or alternatively disguising it with a maze of technical stuff that most people aren't like you and me and can see through. But I can see through it, and I know most of the engineers can see through it, and I expect them to. And I wouldn't, let me put it this way. Yes, I, don't, I can't vouch for all the companies that are working on AI, but I'm telling you this, if I were a customer in the Defense Department or any company that I am associated with, 
I'm not going to be a customer for something you can't come in and explain to me how the hell this works, because I'm going to turn around and get sued or have to explain, in my case, to a mother who child has been killed or something. I, 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 I need to know that you have designed in. Otherwise, I ain't buying your chili. <laughs> because I can't, I can't buy black boxes for national defense. You can't buy black boxes for policing. You can't buy black boxes for picking which people have an opportunity to be employed. It, this isn't these isn't like games or something. These are serious. How do you human look things. at a lot of the tech people not wanting to work on Defense Department stuff? There's been a lot of that at Microsoft, at it's Google. Not- Yep. Um, and some other fair question. Fair question. It to be it be accurate. It's not a lot, but it's some. Right. And um, I, I uh, it is in all cases. And we were talking about Mark Zuckerberg earlier. My approach, as odd as this may seem, in our day where everybody screams at each other, would be to have a conversation with them. And I offered to have a conversation with them. And I'll tell you how it would go. Okay. In my case, I'd say I like one thing you just said which is you said you believe that you should behave ethically mm-hmm. in the application of your knowledge. Congratulations, I'm with you. Hold that thought and do it with everything Google does. Now, at that point, you and I are gonna go down different paths, but let's start with where we have a, a common view. And, and here's what I would say to you. I would say to you, how is the government isn't, is, 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 it's just us. It's not a separate thing. It is the way we do things that must be done collectively. And if you know the most about this technology, how are we ever going to get it right if you won't participate? No, that's, participate, partici- that's a canny argument. Go ahead. Pa- well, participation <laughs> doesn't mean acquiescence uh, all the time, but there are 300 million of us in this country. You don't get your way all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you're not in the game, some dummy or the, well, whatever you fear the government is like is going to make the decision you don't want to make. So you are the best. Get in the game. And by the way, you have a responsibility to do so. This isn't a playpen. This is, well, you, is have knowledge. Pen, okay. you have knowledge, you have responsibility. Next, I would say to them, Kara, mm-hmm. um, uh, you ever do any work in China? Me? No, I would say, yeah, I would say, say to okay. the Google yeah. employee, right. because in China, they don't tell you whether you're working for the <laughs> PLA or not. And the last thing I'd say is that you live here in wherever, whatever campus Google uh, happens to be in, and there are roads that you can drive on and there are police who protect you on a good day, uh, which is most days, uh, police actually do. And um, there are all these utilities and things that that are this idea that you can stand apart from the environment that, and, and by the way, the laws that protect and enable this very, that your business, and your freedom and your ability to choose, where the hell do you think all this stuff comes from? Uh, and so I would, th- those are the arguments I would make. And I would hope that I would be able to win over mm-hmm. some people. And at least I would have, I would have tried. But uh, I, I don't know that I'll win over everybody, but those are the winning arguments, Kara. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm All right, I'm so those right are the, sort of the patriotic, you, you got these lovely roads and stuff like that. They could say, I, but it didn't mean I have to build drones to kill people. 
children in blank, you know what I mean, or by accident kill people, or by accident attack people I didn't want to attack. Well, that doesn't mean you don't get to choose within Google mm -hmm. what you work on. But you were saying that no one in Google, and that Google no, is no. a total enterprise. Well, no, no, that they were saying that they not only personally didn't wish to work on them, but they didn't think the company ought to work on them. Yes, they All did. of us have an individual choice. Right. All of us have an individual choice. None of us needs to do anything that's against our conscience. Right. I'm okay with that. And if you have had an argument with me and you've failed to convince me, then I still have to, I, I will follow my conscience, even if it's, and I, I'm okay with them doing that. Well, it, it depends, okay on, it depends on the that. company. Microsoft's gone forward with it. Salesforce has gone for, forward with the stuff they're doing. Google didn't around Maven and right. stuff like the, that. But I think the leadership has to be the leadership. And they could have said to these people, right. we're going to do this. And of course, Google, and I want to pick on Google all the time, because right. Google does has subsequently clarified that they will do an, the work for the U.S. government and the Defense Department. I think that's the appropriate leadership decision to make. But I would also say to a kid who doesn't want to work on it, by the way, these were not kids mostly. These were people who, who were quite advanced in age, mm -hmm. were part of the original tech generation mm -hmm. who started all this. Yeah. But I would say to them, you, I'm not going to fire you as long as you can provide something, find something useful in the company uh, to do. And we're doing lots of other things, and you don't have to work on something that you're conscious. I can't bring you to regard as conscionable. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. You don't have to do just anything. But for the company's leadership to basically shy away from a small subset of employees I, on any issue, I don't think is the right leadership decision to make. I made leadership decisions we all have who have run enterprises, and are they universally popular? Of course not. Right. Do you get nasty letters? Do you get people say, how dare you can do all, all the time? If you're not willing to take that. One of the, one of the arguments place. you were making was one that I, we discussed earlier today. Um, when I was doing a podcast with Mark Zuckerberg, one of his arguments about not reining tech in, especially him, is that your only alternative is China. Like, well, you, do you want to be like China? That's always the, well, what if China wins? What if we have a Chinese internet? And I call that the Xi or me argument, which is like my, and I'm like, neither. Who's number three? Like, because I don't like either of these choices. I don't like Xi more than you, but I don't, means I want you. And so that, that's often pushed now recently, but I've noticed a lot of people in Silicon Valley, if we don't get this, we're not going to keep up. How, and at the same time, I do recognize the challenge from having the Chinese government owning the next internet age, which is disturbing on, on every level, given how they behave and, and the, the willingness to, to use surveillance tools quite bald-facedly the way they do it there. And I think, um, although some people say there's just as much surveillance in this country, it really is. It's national policy that, that to be doing, creating these surveillance economies there. How do you look at China as a challenge in the digital age, especially since a lot of this will translate into war, uh, cyber warfare it, abilities? It, it, it is a challenge. It is a challenge. We're still very good uh, at number one. Number two, AI isn't one big blob. So will they be the best repressors and yes. jailers of minority, minorities in the world? Yes. If that's the race you're racing, they're going to win that race. I'm confident of that. But that's not the race I'm in. In the application of AI to things that I think are consistent with values that are part of our, you know, at our best, our enlightenment values, will we apply them best? Will we show the most prudence in avoiding abuse? 
Yeah, I'm pretty confident the United States of America and our European allies, and they will be better at that. And then there are lots of commercial things that will segment. And, you know, it's not going to be one thing. So I'm pretty confident in us, and um, I don't, I'm, not, I'm in a, not in a repression race with them. I also don't buy the argument at all, and I hear this all the time. It's a qualitative argument that, that it doesn't work by the numbers, which is the Chinese have a big population. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have all this data that we don't have. Show me the theorem that says a factor of four in the, in the size of a database makes a material difference. And I defy anybody to show me that mm-hmm. theorem in AI. It's just baloney. But it's said, and then it's said again and again, and it's said again and again, and it's adduced as some sort of proof that the Chinese are inevitably going to be better at it. They will have a larger volume of intimate... Uh, Facial recognition, things like that. And, and things that I, it's, it's not first prize for my government to have, right. in my judgment. So we so don't I want to get into that, a facial recognition war with them. The fundamental science and applying it to good things that are good for human life, are, are we going to, am I pessimistic about that? No, I'm not at all. Where, what do you worry about, though? Come on, there can, you know, I, worry I, I get about, we're, we're, I worry we're the about, can-do Americans. But no, what? no, I worry about the same thing you do, I believe, which is applications that are not transparent and therefore where no one is held accountable. And it is advertised, uh, it's a Wizard of Oz kind of black box. Mm-hmm. And it's just baloney inside there. Mm-hmm. And they're going to tell you that you should buy this or uh, that this idea or that idea is supported by more people and therefore is more supportable, which <laughs> doesn't violate I mean, violates the laws of sort of ethical logic uh, that you decide what's right and wrong by how many people agree with it. Um, so there's, that's what I worry about. And it, there's a lot of potential for that. And I did not allow that in my precincts of the Defense Department because I thought I had a responsibility of great gravity and that I couldn't right, so fall into that trap. And that's what I'm worried about. You, you, worry, you wrote this book about the five-sided, inside the five-sided box, which I assume you're referring to the Pentagon. It is. Um, I'm teasing. Um, lessons from the lifetime of leadership in the Pentagon. What is the biggest worry from a, a technology, from a defense department view? What are the concerns? Being unhooked. Which one? Being unhooked from the global commercial technology base. We aren't what we were in the 50s and 60s and 70s when I started. In those days, all technology of consequence for protecting our people and, and, and all technology of any consequence at all came from the United States and came from within the walls of government. Those days are irrevocably lost. And therefore, the only way I could discharge my duties as, de- as Secretary of Defense, which are not going to go away anytime soon, which are to protect the many against the few, the only way I could discharge them competently was to have access to the best technology. The only way I could do that was to have a reasonable relationship with the technology uh, community where we could be reasonably sympathetic to one another's problems and values and challenges and work together and Letting that go is my biggest fear. But then we'll be a ghetto, and then I won't be able to do my job. And I'd say that of any important function. So meaning you have to go company. elsewhere for technology, to, whether it's Israel or China even. Yeah, but I've got to go, I've got to go outside the Pentagon no matter what. Mm-hmm. And 
it is a... I mean, outside I'm, the government, outside the government, like the defense, uh, yeah. the advanced research, yeah. uh, DARPA. Yes. yes, and being unhooked. Well, and DARPA does a great job of that. You know, I founded Outposts. Mm -hmm. and I tried to build all those bridges, the Defense Innovation Board that Eric Schmidt mm -hmm. was on and Jeff Bezos and Reid Hoffman. And so that was an effort to get a path of dialogue there so that when we ran into an issue where they were seeing it one way or their employees were or their tradition was and I was seeing it a different way we had our way to get out of that thicket because we all got to live here and if you don't if you think ISIS is in this conversation with us you're dreaming uh, and so we've got to got to be able to protect ourselves and to be excellent at that I need you I need your help and that means I need to be reasonable about your values we're going to take another break now. We'll be back after this with the former Secretary of Defense, Ash Carter, from Harvard University's John F. Kennedy School of Government. Searching for what to stream next? HBO Max is where all of HBO meets the greatest collection of movies, shows, and Max originals for everyone in the family. Discover something fresh to watch with new HBO series like Lovecraft Country from Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and J.J. Abrams, or The Undoing, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. You can also jump into a new Max original like Selena Gomez's new cooking show, Selena and Chef, or The Flight Attendant, a dark new comedic thriller starring Kaylee Cuoco. Ridley Scott's even producing a new series called Raised by Wolves. Whether you want to rewatch classic favorites or finally get into that show your friends have recommended a thousand times, HBO Max has something for everyone. Start streaming today and find your next favorite. Download the app or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial. Do you think the relationship was damaged by the Snowden revelations? I do. I think it, it led was. directly oh, to some of the stuff. Was. It definitely was. And um, the relations between tech and yes, government. Yes. No, it was. And so when I would go to the tech community as Secretary of Defense, sometimes I'd just say to people, look, we're going to have to agree to disagree about Edward Snowden because I do not think he is a whistleblower. I know what a whistleblower is. I support whistleblowers. I'm required by law to support whistleblowers. You're allowed to blow whistles. You're not allowed to be a traitor. And a whistleblower is supposed to follow some rules. One rule is that you at least make an effort to get your concern redressed. No record of such in his case. Second, that you limit the damage or exposure you do to that which will is, can reasonably call attention to your problem. He put everything out there. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I sometimes likened it, Kara, to, to we have uh, thousands of nuclear weapons custodians in the United States. Suppose you decided that you didn't like all these nuclear weapons, which are easy to hate because they're ugly, terribly destructive things, and you decided that you were going to demonstrate how bad they were by stealing one and setting one off. Well... I mean, that's overdoing it. You've, that's more than you need to make your point. So he didn't follow what we teach here. We teach here at the Kennedy School, and I didn't All make right, this so stuff up, the rules of whistleblowing, of being a good whistleblower and tolerating whistleblowing. None of that was followed. And he did damage to our security. He did damage to our international reputation. And he did damage to our companies. And, and created a rift between the tech industry, the discussions that were going on between the tech industry and government, because they didn't love being yes. spied upon. True. Uh, 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 
Yes, I think that's absolutely true. And so was some explaining required on the basis of, of, of what we were doing? I'm okay with that part. Mm -hmm. I, by the way, there is, you may not like it, but there was, there is a constitutional process for that, which is an executive branch that follows the laws passed by the legislative branch and subject to judicial review. Right. And so, and that is the way it was done. If you think there were excesses, I am prepared to concede that. On some I'm sorry, sort, I, we, I just read the Mueller report, so I don't know about that anymore. It wasn't, um, so. a, it wasn't well, again, I'm not trying to apologize yeah, yeah. for it per se, and right. every little excess that was in there. But we had a process, at least, uh, for doing that. Parenthetically, I have had a security clearance at, for communications intelligence since 1980, Kara. Mm -hmm. And I've never, and I don't, and I don't believe I Googled this to death, but I never saw, witnessed one case in my lifetime of an American being jailed, harassed, outed or humiliated in some way, extorted or anything by the government on the basis of their surveillance. I, there's one case that came close to it, which I recall, which I can't really name, but I never saw it, which is a reasonably good record of conduct. Um, and that's a long time of observing. So that suggests to me that it is possible to have a pretty good track record of having a constitutionally controlled system where the laws can be enforced with a reasonable amount of surveillance without everybody without be, everybody being spied on all the time, which I don't favor either. So last question, so we're going to get some questions in the audience. You and I talked when you were the defense secretary, and one of the things we talked about was right after Apple had declined to cooperate yeah, yeah. with Jim Comey on the encryption. And at the time, it was really, what was really interesting to me is parts of the government did not agree with Jim Comey on this issue, and parts of the government did. I know President Obama did. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Comey thought he was right. Um, but you had been not on that side. How do you look at encryption right now? Because um, it's well, going to come up again. It, is, it will. It will. I, what, what I expressed at the time was my abject dependence upon encryption and quality encryption in order to run the Defense Department. Uh, none of our stuff works unless it, it does, none of it works without the assistance of computers, and none of those computers work if they get hacked. So I am totally dependent upon really good in, encryption. And I was making that a point, encryption's not a bad thing. I don't want everything open. Secondly, and I wasn't saying this is loudly publicly at the time, but I'm I'm not I'm not, and I hope you've gotten this idea for tangling with the the with, uh, for having the private sector of our, of our country tangle with its public sector. We're all the same thing. The government is you, and so if we're having a disagreement, the right instinct of the public servant is to say, let's not mal mal each other. Let me try to get on the right. Let me try to get together with Tim Cook is not an unreasonable person. So I would have taken a quieter, I don't know where you would have gotten in that particular case, but a quieter, you, you go high like that and you go public and the people you stimulate are not the people you want in the conversation. 
It's all those people have nothing else to do than to get on Twitter and you know what this. Mm -hmm. uh, you get the tails of the distribution weighing in against the center of the distribution. That's not healthy. So both stylistically and substantively, I was in a somewhat uh, different place. Now, you can argue with the fact that some measure of law enforcement access is appropriate. That doesn't have to be, the tail doesn't have to wag the whole technology dog. Mm -hmm. But it is necessary that the country cooperate with the government when it is lawfully trying to carry out the functions that are really important um, uh, uh, to us. And so from that point of view, I could see Jim Comey side as well. But the thing is to have two big leaders in our society out tangling in public, uh, that, that's not my style. Uh, I don't think it's effective in the long run. So that's okay. kind of where I was coming from at Right, that at the time. And you still, what if something else pops up? Is there an instance where you would see Apple have to turn it over? To me, they should do, have other ways to find these things out. That they, they, if, if our national security comes down to one iPhone, we're in a lot of trouble. Like, we really oh, are. Come on. I, 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 oh, it is? I, it's, an, it's a plot of a movie. It's, it's, no, no, but I, I think you say you're going to count on us to be clever enough. About, in to, other to ways. In other, there's other ways to do intelligence. There are, some, there are other ways there's to do intelligence, and we are frequently entirely satisfied with those other ways of doing intelligence. And we can't have the moon. You, we can't have everything so that we can flawlessly protect people against. It's going to be a little harder than that. People are going to need to tolerate a little bit of failure. Mm -hmm. And we're going to need to tolerate the, the fact that people want privacy and independence. And we're going to have to work a little harder to get the result that they deserve. I'm, 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 I'm fine with, with all of that. Technology is inevitably going to trend in the direction of encryption that is increasingly strong. And so you're going to have to use other methods for collecting inf information. By the way, when quantum comes along... Mm -hmm. Quantum computing. Quantum computing. There's going to be an interesting moment when all of the corpus of information that has been encrypted in a way that is secure today will not will no longer be secure and you might say to yourself well it doesn't matter because whatever what i say then will be secure then but are you are you willing to have uncovered everything you've ever said most of us are prepared to say that right <laughs> and and so all of your records so for in the defense department i don't want our thinking over time about war plans or the formulation of things to become suddenly opened up, even though they may not be our then war plans, they may be two versions back. I can't afford to do that. So there's going to be a big trove of accumulated oh, digital information, which will, done with shorter keys, which will suddenly become breakable Vulnerable. Yeah. one day. And, and that's a, so somebody's going to make a lot of money on a, uh, it'll make the year 2000 Y2K thing mm -hmm. look like a small business. Right. There are going to be people who will promise on the at the 11th hour or the 11th day before quantum makes all your fi files open to re-encrypt re them using quantum with longer key lengths. And you'll be lining up with your 
hard drives to have your stuff. Um, watch that space. All right, that's why don't you one, get that's that one of these great business ideas that there you There you go. You, you just I gave it away. Get Jesus. into damn it. You know what the other All one right. is? So we have Selling questions Coke outside from the audience. Of Whole Foods. That's true. That's true. Questions from the audience. <laughs> right here. Go ahead. I'll start. Thank you so much, um, Secretary Carter, Kara. My question is, at the beginning, you talked a lot about what sounded like an Internet Bill of Rights, privacy, non-discrimination. Right. But how much faith do the two of you have in a Congress that couldn't really understand how Facebook or Google worked to actually implement <laughs> that, that regulation? Me first. Me first. <laughs> um, I, just, I just spoke in front of the House Democratic Caucus, um, and I did a podcast with Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi. And I... It, that's a crazy group of people. I gotta say, it was, I was sort of like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. And what was really interesting is I brought my two sons and one of my youngest, who's 13, he's 14 now, he said, mom, that's like looking at all of America in one ballroom. And I was like, yeah, unfortunately. So, um, so I, think, I think they're perfectly capable of it. Like I said, I think they're not, some of them are up to speed. There are people that were technologists that are in Congress right now. Several of the uh, congressmen had worked at tech, Microsoft and other places. There's several physicists. I forget, there was a bunch of technologists there. And certainly, you know, you have congressmen like uh, uh, Will Hurd from Texas or Congressman Ro Khanna, who certainly understand this and their staffs do. And so I do rely on the fact that they, they regulate banks, they regulate cars, they regulate, you know, they don't have to be tech experts to do this. What I do worry about is sort of these loudmouth other people. Um, and in the Senate, there's a ton of them. There's a ton in the Senate. There's uh, Senator Bennett is very smart, Senator Klobuchar, Senator Warner, Senator Burr. There's a, there's a whole bunch, and there's, there's governors, too. So there's a lot of very tech-savvy people in government, throughout government. Um, the, the issue is, can you keep... This is a congressional issue. It's obviously not going to be a, uh, from the White House at this point. There's almost nobody in those roles there now. Um, and nor does there seem to be. Um, and so it's gonna, they're going to have to figure out a way to, to do it. I, I do have confidence they'll figure, figure it out, and they do think it's important. It's just, it's just when you get on TV with that idiot who doesn't know the difference between iPhone and Google, you sort of want to just go like this. That's just that guy, though, and he won't be part of it, presumably. I, I agree with that. <laughs> Don't despair. These are generalists. Right. And they've always had to specialize. And so there's somebody in there who knows something about Syria and somebody who knows something about tech and somebody who knows about this area and that, that area of the law. You couldn't, if you were a member of Congress, possibly vote on all the issues that they, you'd be cramming all day and all night every single day. You have to depend on your ability to walk down the hall to somebody and say, what on earth do I do? with this, I have no clue, and have somebody trust it. So it's, it's not as bad. I, I, when, you're, when you don't get anything out of them, it's usually a sign that they don't think anybody in the country thinks really wants them to act. And I'm not convinced that the Congress is truly convinced yet that we're concerned enough about tech compared to all the other things that Americans are concerned about yeah, to really make them act. So it's on everybody's B list, and their A list is healthcare. something else. Yeah, healthcare, healthcare overwhelmingly healthcare, yeah. and tech is somewhere down. Here. Yeah, but in other countries, it's not. Look, they're going to act in uh, New Zealand, in France, in every, everywhere else. So there, there's going to be pressure from states 
the other states are gonna all act. And I think that's what's gonna be the important, it's gonna bubble up and slowly, it really isn't a campaign slogan. I'm gonna get Facebook, like I don't think that's really. And, and then on the Republican side, unfortunately with a lot of people, they're obsessed with this idea of being shadow, the president did it today, and it's just, it's just a lie. It's a flat out lie that they're being discriminated against on these platforms. They, they just aren't, it's just not happening. And so that obsession is, it's like a fever. It's like a weird fever. I mean, they've never, I've always thought the people that complain about not being able to speak never shut up. That's what I've noticed. And so um, they have plenty of places to have outlets. So it's just that, that, that is occupying that side of the aisle and it, they need to stop. They, need to, they won't stop, but they need to stop. Thank you. So. Uh, thank you. My name is David Carey. I'm a fellow in the Advanced Leadership Initiative. Um, the one undisputed portion of the special counsel's report was how much effort Russia made to influence our election. Uh, and it was interesting to watch following the New Zealand live stream terrorist attack that Sri Lanka, first thing they did, they turned off all social media, perhaps a template for the future. So we are 18 months away from a presidential election. And I'd like to ask both of you, how much confidence do you have in Facebook in particular, but all of the social media, you know, in Google, I guess, with YouTube, to um, stop what happened last time, to really get out ahead of foreign parties uh, attempting to weaponize our social media to influence the national election. And if the election was held three months from now, are you confident they're on top of it? Or do you feel we've made little progress since 2016? I, I think they are working on it. I mean, aside from the fact they had to do their dumb war rooms, their dumb fake that they invited reporters into, you know, did you see that? That was a ridiculous yeah. it was a stage circus yeah. by them. Um, I do think they have been working on a lot of stuff. That's, it's really complicated how to, to, to do that. You know, some people think they should stop doing any political advertising a couple months ahead. They did that in France, you know, a certain time before the election, have a blackout. There's all kinds of questions of what they should do, but I do think they have been identifying and working on these problems um, to solve them. I think probably, yes, I do have confidence that they do understand they, this next election, the 2020. It worked pretty well in the 18 elections. The 2020 elections have to be really clean. I do think they will continue to use these tactics like the Trump campaign did in the last one. Um, and I do think the Russians or whoever will continue to try to manipulate these elections. And the, the issue is we're never going to know how they did it or why or whether it worked. And that's, you know, just today, you don't have to insult him, but Jared Kushner is an idiot. Just a complete idiot. He just said it was only, he said that the Mueller report was more damaging to democracy than Russian intervention in our elections. Yeah. I just, I don't even know what to say. I, I would have rushed the stage at that point. Like, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. Any foreign government using our tools to ruin our elections is a problem. My concern, too, is uh, voting machines and things like that. There's uh, Senator uh, Wyden is very, uh, mm -hmm. that's his big topic. The, the abuse of voting machines and the ability to manipulate them, that's, you know, I know that's a plot of scandal, but it's actually also a problem. Um, and so I, I worry about that issue, and I think Senator Wyden, I did a great podcast with him on that. Uh, but I do think they have a, I think, and I think people are smarter about these, these manipulations too. So I do feel more confident. We have an effort here at the Kennedy School, which I don't run, but uh, uh, is run out of the same center, the Belfer Center that I'm the, the director of, which just to give you a few, runs a ran a training program for the election operators 
in all of the states, and help me out here, uh, some of the folks who worked on this, I think 46 of the states participated. And now we have been asked by both the Republican and the Democratic sides in the Iowa caucuses to help them. And this is not magic. This is basic hygiene and tradecraft. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. My concern for next time is we're getting more resilient. And people are wise to a lot of the tricks that are played on social on them on social media. But there are new things coming. Deepfakes. I worry about like a new playbook. The Russians are shrewd about a playbook we haven't seen yet, for which we haven't prepared, and which people that are not inured to. And I, that. And there's I worry no. About that. Um, punishment for doing it. You've got major administration figures applauding it. You had Giuliani the other day, you had Kellyanne Kong and the president. And so there's not going to be any repercussions. And that's, I think that to say those things is so irresponsible. It's just beyond irresponsible as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I think the companies do care. They do. Thank goodness they do. And I think they've done a pretty good job around the world. So, yes. Hi, I'm Heidi Legg. I'm the director of special projects at the Shorenstein Center. I'm an enormous fan of yours as a fellow journalist who does profiles, so thanks for being here. Um, after journalism school, I went up to California in the year of 1997 for the promise of this thing called the Internet. And um, it was an amazing time. We had a surplus. Clinton was president. I don't think he'd met Monica yet. And, um, you know, we, we thought that this was an amazing thing for free press, independent press. We could create magazines and... I can't believe I'm actually thinking of regulation, but I look at it and I, I hear that there are so many topics that we can touch upon with the tech companies, but you're so close to them and you're talking to them. What's their view on what they've done to journalism? Because one of the reasons that I would be very pro looking at regulation is that they have all of the power now to be able to gain all the ads because of their digital capacity and the fact there are no privacy laws. And so you, the only, what we're seeing at the Shorenstein Center is the only um, legacy players that can even come head to head with the tech companies in, in surviving and being uh, journalism outlets are uh, ones with billionaire backers or large media conglomerates. So like a CNN mm -hmm. and a Fox News, or the Henry's buying the Globe, or Bezos buying the Post, Patrick Soon-Chung buying the LA Times. But otherwise, it's an obliteration of journalism. And I'd like to know when you're talking to these big leaders, since you're with them, if they believe that regulation is going to uh, curb their innovation, what about the fact that they've killed innovation for journalism? And what I went out to as a journalist in San Francisco in 1996, they've killed it. And they seem to just have a complete disregard for the fact that they are now the platform and they refuse to be Journalism. Take the responsibility. And yeah. take responsibility. I mean, that's the one reason. I ca I'm so shocked that I'm thinking regulation, yeah. knowing my personality, my background, and yeah. the space I'm in. But I just don't see any other way but to regulate them into looking at local news, which would solve a lot of these other problems of our society being misinformed. Yeah, they don't care. I don't know what to tell but Sally. How do we get them to care? I'm they just don't. so shocked by You aren't it. going to. How do we get them to it's dress better? It's destroying democracy know. to yeah. not have a journalist in your child's classroom or at your Thanksgiving table or in your neighborhood and giving you the straight facts and the context. They don't care. I promise you they don't care. They have a lot I'm of news. I'm coming on a road show yeah. with you. We are going to go talk to them because this is crazy <laughs> town. To no, I've talked to them. Um, I think they don't, first of all, Google and Facebook own all of digital advertising, really. Right. It's a duopoly. That's are they pretty more much than 95% now? Yeah, whatever. They own everything. They own the whole the thing. And then they try to reach out and do these instant articles and other things, which have been worse. Like, we've been bought into it and then 
put our, it's like we're painting their fences, like we're giving them our stuff, and that's ridiculous. Like, pull out of all that stuff. It doesn't help you. You don't get any money from it. One time, they, Facebook came to me once and said, you should do Facebook Live, and I said, why? And they said, oh, you'll be better known. I go, where's the money? Like, where, like, where, where am I going to make money at it? Well, it'd just be good for you. I'm like, no, I don't think so. And I, they were like, why not? I go, because why should I do something for no money that will help you? There's nothing in it that helps me. Like, and they were like, well, that's one way to look at it. I said, it's the only way to look at it. It's, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing about you that's vaguely interesting to me as a journalist. And so, so yeah, we, we're on there. I use Twitter. Sometimes I like some things, like for marketing. It's great. Twitter's great. I just did a Twitter Live and stuff like that. But they, don't, they do not care. Like, let me just, if you look to them for any kind of help, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's giving, or whoever's giving money to local news, it's just whatever. Rich people have always owned newspapers. Guess what? There used to be the Bancrofts or whoever owned the Times. Who owned the Times? The Los Angeles Times. There was a rich person who owned the Los Angeles Times whether it was the Grams or whoever. And sometimes you get great owners, like the Grams and the Salzburgers, and sometimes you get shitty owners, right? And so that's, you're gonna have a billionaire owner for a lot of these things going forward. They're just not gonna be as valuable, um, some of these things. Now, some of them are gonna be very valuable. The New York Times has done a really good job about figuring out different ways to make money. Now, it's not an enormous business, but it's doing rather they well. Have, I think three million out of 300 million. Americans. Right, they're, but they're good, they're doing well. They're moving in the right direction that way. And you know, small. It, it's small, of course it is, but you know, you have Lorraine Powell Jobs, a very interesting owner of a lot. Mm -hmm. I think she'll mm -hmm. do more. Mark Benioff, look, I would rather have Mark Benioff owning it than a lot of Absolutely. people. Absolutely, I mean, Me we're, we're tracking these and we're very excited about these at the Sharnsey Center, but it's still, if their argument is that they shouldn't be regulated because it's gonna stifle innovation, they have completely stifled innovation yes. in the journalism space. Yes, they don't care. Thank you. One more? They don't care. Unfortunately, I'm sorry to tell you that. And it, it, some of them do. But, I mean, I think it's interesting that a lot of them are buying this stuff. Jeff Bezos, I think he's done a nice job at the Washington Post. Um, and I don't think they'll stop in, um, investigating the Amazon because he owns it. I don't think they will. One more? Oh, there's one up there, too. Uh, hi, thank you for taking my question and being here today. My name's Amy. I'm a, a media and technology attorney um, in that space and had some experience navigating Communications Decency Act and other online speech issues. And I wanted to follow up on your, your uh, conversation about the Communications Decency Act and regulation versus self-regulation of these social media companies. Um, I'm interested to hear what entity or system do you think is best equipped to adjudicate those online um, speech disputes? Um, do you think it's Congress through legislation or like AI through filters or the social media companies themselves or the judicial system? And as part of that process, how much weight do you think it makes sense to give to the privacy rights of the people who are posting that content that could be problematic in the first place? Mark's creating councils. Okay. Mm -hmm. Again, let's do his work for him, sure. You know, meanwhile, he's one of the world's richest people. Um, I, I just, that drives me crazy when they're always asking for help. Rich people asking for help is always a pleasure. I think that uh, there's a lot of ways. You know, there's, you could just make them liable for what's on their platforms. That's terrifying to them. They think it'll ruin their businesses. Like, the, lawyers. Lawyers scare them, like, being held liable for that. That's one, it works for a lot of people. It works for chemical companies, it works for gas companies, it works for everybody. Um, so I think that's one way. The other way is to, to, to modify that act, I think, so that smaller companies do get the immunity and the larger companies don't. There's all kinds of creative ways. I, just, 
just the idea of removing it has terrified Silicon Valley. So, you know, I don't know if there can be outside councils. Uh, would you be I, on a council at Facebook to adjudicate things? Uh, or do you have other things to do? I, I, I have other things to do. Also, I needed to be convinced of that this was r real. Look, there's a lot of history here. We did a pretty good job in the matter of decency with... There were commissions that set rules. Remember how many four-letter words were there? I don't remember. I don't remember. And you may have, maybe today that seems quaint and stupid, but something like that is fair when it comes to children and decency. And we had people and said, go think of that and, and, and tell us what the rules ought to be. Kara's uh, absolutely right. Nothing like a lawsuit sobers up the morality I think. And so some relaxation of CDA 230's total immunity, I think is appropriate. And when it comes to money and property, something we haven't talked about tonight, but, but is when, how are we going to deal with the fact that people are trading in what you could argue at least was your property wrongfully surrendered, which is your data? That is the big thing that people don't want to talk about. We could all you know, talk about freedom of the press and freedom of speech. That's all very important also. I don't mean to belittle it at all. But you start talking money and people really clam up. Uh, but at some point we have to face the economics of what is going on here, which is that there is a transaction between a tech company and an advertiser in which we are batted back and forth like a tennis ball in right. uh, our most sensitive and intimate information. And that isn't the Chinese government that's getting it. Okay, that's okay, but it's anybody. They're subject to leaks, data breaches, increasingly onerous or precision or wrongheadedly targeted marketing uh, and so forth. So. These are different problems, but propriety, privacy, money, and I, I, we have models in the past for all of these, these things. And I'm maybe more these, optimistic. Maybe these businesses aren't quite as good as they think they are because they're a little more expensive to maintain properly. Uh, you know, they've been allowed to be, like, guess what? It's better for chemical manufacturers to dump stuff into the river. That's a better business for them. When they have to put filters on and they have to put suits on people and they have to pay off lawsuits... It, co it costs a little much, and guess what? That's exactly what's been happening here. They've allowed toxic waste to dump into the river of society, and they don't care. And that, that you have to think of it that way, because they don't want you to think of it that way. But their businesses might not be quite as sweet. That's all. And, 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 then, and nobody wants to hear that, because Wall Street doesn't want to hear that. No, not, none of the power structure wants to hear we that. We would not even know as much as we do about tech without Kara. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> a career, a lifetime of illuminating these issues for us. Thank you so much well, for being here. Well, thank you for not getting us into a giant war. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks again to the former Secretary of Defense, Ash Carter, for coming on my show. And thanks to you all for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Erica Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend. And make sure to check out our other podcasts, Recode Media and Pivot. Just search for them on your podcasting app of choice. 
Thanks also to our editor, Joel Robbie. Special thanks to Sarah Donahue, Carrie Devine, and Andrew Diorio. Also, thank you for listening to this episode of Rico Decode. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. HBO Max brings all of HBO to your fingertips, plus an epic list of new Max originals. Whether you're into animation, classic movies, or binge-worthy series, HBO Max's suggested collections are curated by real humans, not robots, so you find the right thing to watch every time. With thousands of options for you and the family to choose from, it's the streaming platform of your dreams. HBO Max, where HBO meets so much more. Start streaming now at hbomax.com. Hold up. 